podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Here, we love talking about everything Batman. The BatmanUniverse.net has news, original content, and reviews about Batman comics, movies, TV shows, video games, and more. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net and join our Discord server to start chatting with fellow fans. We can't wait to talk to you guys. Also, visit our Patreon page and join our other awesome supporters. But enough of this nonsense. On with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now... The Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Batman Universe podcast. Um, I'm your host, Scott, and joining me are BJ and Otto. And today we have um, quite the episode. We're going to do so, talk about some updates to uh, James Gunn's Superman Legacy, um, the first episode of Superpowered DC Story, which premieres on Max on Friday, July 21st, uh, the day this episode drops, actually. So if you're listening to this, it is out now. Um, and then the final Blue Beetle trailer that just dropped about a week ago. So a lot to discuss, a lot to unpack. Um, first thing I'll say before we jump into anything is I have been seeing some rumors on the internet. I don't know why these things spread like wildfire, but um, the rumor once again being that George Clooney is involved in the DCU and that he is Batman in Batman uh, in the new Batman and Robin movie coming out. That is still not true. So clearing that up right off the bat, um, there were tweets about this back in February that nixed it. So if you're seeing new articles and wondering if that is the case because he showed up Game of the Flash, not happening. <laughs> but jumping over to Superman Legacy, you know, last episode about a month ago now, we talked about you know the. Uh, circling of Lois and Clark um, in terms of who's going to be picked. And now we have, you know, several people who've been casted in multiple roles, not just Clark and Lois. So we'll start with Superman and Lois Lane, and then we'll jump into the others. Um, but Rachel Brosnahan is Lois Lane, and David Cornsweat is Superman. Probably pronouncing his name wrong. And I was also wrong last episode when I said I didn't know who Rachel Brosnahan was. I have watched Mrs. Maisel, and she is great in it, so I'm excited about that. But did you guys have any thoughts on those two before we jump into the other members of the roster? Um, my thoughts is that I think uh, it's a great cast, uh, great casting. Like uh, Corn and Sweat, he kind of looks like a young Superman, almost kind of like a young, smaller Henry Cavill, which I'm sure he'll buff up big. But yeah, I remember... I saw him in some like Netflix like rom com, and uh, Brosnahan I remember from uh, House of Cards, 
But I think she's going to be, I think her Lois Lane will be different than the character she played on House of Cards. But that's all I know of them. And I'm sure it'd be great. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I don't think I've seen either of them in anything, uh, which is kind of an advantage in a way, because this will be my first exposure to to them as actors. Um, so I'm kind of going in with a clean slate. Uh, I think they both have the look for the characters, for sure. Uh, as BJ was saying, uh, David Cornsfoot does kind of look like a, a younger Henry Cavill, which was interesting because uh, there were a lot of people who were uh, being critical of the casting for that reason. However, many of these were the same people who uh, wanted Henry Cavill to to remain. So I'm not I'm not sure what the problem is. I mean, if if he has if Henry Cavill has to go, then I think someone who probably looks like him is your best option. And I think yes, he will probably hit the gym, get you know one of those Hollywood personal trainers. And I mean, apparently he's six four, so you know he's got the frame to to pack on the muscle. So yeah, I think it's good casting. Six four, man. I did not look that up. That is, he is tall. So, um, but to what you just said about looking like Henry Cavill, it's kind. Of, I find that kind of funny, just because I feel like, you know, Superman has a pretty consistent look, and I feel like everyone's expecting it. You know, the dark hair, you know, the swoop, if possible, you know, the eyes, and then you know, chiseled jaw, and you know, outside of that, I feel like fans would be really upset. So, makes sense to me. Yeah, they all should they all should look alike pretty much like if they're gonna be <laughs> Superman. So um the rest of the cast, and this is kind of uh in our Discord, this caused quite a discussion, but um the rest of the cast has been well not rest, not all of them, but we know Guy Gardner is in the movie played by Nathan Fillion, Hawk Girl, Isabella Isabella Merced, um, uh, Mr. Terrific, I'm gonna butcher this, but Edie Gathagy and Metamorpho, Anthony Kerrigan. So those are all the ones that we know so far. James Gunn was quick to make a comment that while all these other superheroes are in there, it's still very much a Superman and Lois Lane story and centers around them. So, you know, who knows what that means in terms of screen time for these other heroes, but um, did you guys have any thoughts or feelings on this? Any picks you really love, ones you don't like? I'm excited to see these characters in live action. I mean, we've seen we've had Hawk Girl and Mr. Terrific on the CW, but uh we haven't I don't think we haven't had Metamorpho anywhere and Guy Gardner. I mean, he's always a, a fan favorite, uh Green Lantern. So yeah, I'm excited to see these uh these characters. I don't think it's gonna take away from Superman and Lois. I don't think anybody's going to leave the movie saying, "Man, I, I like Superman, but I wish I had more Mister Terrific." But it's, I think, I think it's going to service the story. I think James Gunn knows what he's doing, and yeah, I'm pumped for it. Yeah, I was, I was one of the people who was initially a bit concerned. Uh, I saw, oh wow, all these characters are going to be in this, and I think part of that is just you know that feeling of being burned by. The way it was done in the Snyder films, where it just feels like all these characters are kind of packed in and they didn't really tie into the main plot necessarily. It just kind of felt like in movie ads for more movies. Uh, but then, you know, James Gunn released the statement and that kind of put those concerns to rest for me because it showed me, okay, that he's aware of, of you know, this concern that fans have and he's aware of you know, the fact that people have made that mistake before in the past. So uh, I think 
we can just take him at his word and uh, trust that he's going to do this uh, the right way, at least for now. And then we can make a decision when we see the film. As for the actual actors themselves, I think uh, Nathan Fillion as a Lantern has been a fan cast, very popular fan cast for years now. Uh, I don't think I've really seen him in anything, but like I see him in like ads on TV all the time. So he seems like a pretty uh, well-known actor. Uh, I, I don't know anything about Isabella Merced. I think also just as you we were talking about uh, with David Cornsweet needing to, you know, bulk up, I think she's going to have to do the same thing. Um, and then Anthony Kerrigan as Metamorpho. I sadly watched every episode of Gotham. So I'm very familiar uh, with him. Uh, he was a Zaz on that uh, on that TV show and he had a really, really great performance. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what he will do with Metamorpho. Yeah, I mean, out of all the ones announced, like, I mean, I, obviously I know who Nathan Fillion is and I watched, you know, Firefly and all that back in the day. But Anthony Kerrigan is the one that probably is the one I, I mean I it's like I really love Metamorpho so I'll, I'll say that up front like I am I'm a, I'm a fan of that character but Anthony Kerrigan at it like to me is like icing on the cake so I am very excited about that and I did also sadly watch every episode of Gotham <laughs> um, and you know I'm a fan of Barry which he's also in and he's his character in Barry really isn't that much different than his Victor Zaz so I'm assuming We'll get something that's adjacent to that type of like goofy over the top portrayal. Um, but you know, for people who are listening, you know, if you join our Discord, there'll be a link below. But you know, we had a pretty lengthy conversation about this. And you know, we went back and forth talking about our thoughts and feelings. Welcome you to join and jump in the discussion with us. But something I mentioned in the Discord, which is why I'm bringing this up is, you know, I honestly feel like all these people cast, you know, as these other heroes, I really have an inkling that it's probably just for one scene or, you know, like whether it's like the Hall of Justice or the Watchtower or something like that, it's just going to be some way to maybe open up like the DC universe, but also, you know, serve as kind of a either a pep talk or some sort of like, I don't know, I guess moment for Superman while he's doing something else that focuses on his own story. That's kind of everything I've heard, you know, from what James Gunn has said, which hasn't been much, kind of tells me that that's probably what this is. And, you know, it's something to get excited for because it's, you know, characters people love. Um, but, you know, that's kind of my gut feeling on this. I don't know if you guys felt differently. No, yeah, I definitely think it's not. It's going to be for like a scene at most. Like with Guy Gardner, there'll be a scene like Guy Gardner's calling him a Boy Scout and soft and stuff like that, and just being typical Guy Gardner. And like, who knows with Mister Terrific? Like, we all know he's like a uh, billionaire tech genius, and there's another big billionaire tech genius in uh, Superman's world, Lex Luthor. So maybe there's like a weird like Luthor um, terrific was it terrific tech or whatever he hit terrific or whatever his company is like maybe there's like some big board meeting with that and that's all we see of mr terrific so who knows yeah that would actually be a really uh interesting storyline um i mean it could go in any number of ways i i think uh the important thing also to remember or to keep in mind for fans is like there are gonna be uh people who are like really um 
fiercely fans of these specific characters who if they appear in cameos they'll probably be disappointed and that's the thing like you're never going to make everyone happy right um and and no adaptation is going to be exactly a hundred percent what you find in the comics or even what you imagine in your own head as your sort of mental image of who that character is uh but yeah i'm, I'm excited to see how, how this turns out definitely um our second topic, we got to screen uh, the first episode of um, a documentary series that drops today for everybody who have Max, uh, the streaming service. It is a three-part documentary series called Superpowered, the DC Story. It's narrated by Rosario Dawson. Um, you know, goes into different parts of kind of comic book history and, and you know, where we are today, you know, starting with episode one, going through, you know, kind of the years and the trials and tribulations and you know by episode three i know they talk about milestone and you know <clears throat> how comics have really opened up beyond you know their how they originally were in kind of a closed audience um and you know the first episode that we saw was really you know, kind of the origins of you know where these books came from and you know popular characters like superman batman wonder woman you know as well as their sidekicks and parental concerns when it came to comic books at the time so i'm going to open up the floor right off the bat and stop talking about it but um how do you guys feel about the first episode i really liked it i thought it was cool to kind of like a lot of the stuff like i had read before and heard about but it was cool to kind of see everything condensed into what was it like about an hour and a half right about that um, I think it was only, I think it was like just barely an hour. Yeah. So, but it was cool to kind of see everything kind of laid out. And I like kind of, they kind of jumped back and forth through time where back in the past and current days and kind of mesh those together. I, I really, I liked it. I can't wait to watch it again when it comes out and I can't wait to watch the, uh, the second two parts. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to to watch it again uh, as well. And then I think also uh, I might, watch it again once all the parts have been released just so i have that the it just the whole story feels more uh cohesive uh in that way um i thought it was really interesting and as bj said i like that it made connections between you know the past and the present because i think that's really important to highlight because that's the it's kind of relevant and um what I found really interesting, uh, in addition, like some of the stuff uh, has appeared, have we've we've seen that in other documentaries and stuff before, uh, but there was a lot of there was a lot of new stuff as well, and um, one of the things that I think they really went out of their way to highlight in the first episode was uh, the origin behind these characters, or like the the people who created these characters all have kind of a similarity in terms of their their personality or their, their upbringing and their background. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I also thought that uh, it was kind of interesting that it highlighted uh, what I think is kind of a, the cyclical nature of, of uh, the comics world. Uh, there is a moment where they start talking about the emergence of Marvel and how that impacted DC. And the DC brand was kind of floundering a bit and then they started trying to do like more outrageous things in the comic books to kind of uh, boost their audience or compete with Marvel. And I was watching that and I was thinking, 
wow, that kind of sounds very similar to what's happening right now, where the DC brand is kind of floundering. Marvel has kind of really emerged as, you know, kind of many would say have, have gone ahead, at least as far as general audience in terms of movies goes. And then the DC universe, the DC brands kind of copying them and kind of failing. So my hope is we kind of get past, we get past that stage and we get back to the point where, you know, DC is a, a big brand again. Uh, but I just thought it was really interesting to, to bring, bring that point up. It's kind of interesting you say that because actually I had a separate conversation about this not too long ago with my comic shop, comic shop guy, uh, <laughs> my dealer. Uh, but um, he was talking about how, like in the in the books, you know, at least from the business perspective, that has kind of always been that way, where it's one does well and the other flounders, and then there's this like it's like it just oscillates back and forth, almost like a wave, and that. You know, right now, obviously, on the movie scene, like DC, you know, we talk about it a lot on this podcast is getting, you know, kind of beaten over the head and beaten down with their movie releases. And Marvel is, has done very well for themselves. You know, say what you want about the quality of like the films now overall, like they've done very well. Um, but in the books, it's like the opposite, you know, the sales figures, I guess, from what I understand, you know, just from doing a little reading and like just talking to some of the people who work at the local chain you know, right now it's a DC period, at least on paper, you know, while the movies is Marvel and, you know, a few years ago it was Marvel on paper, but it's just this weird back and forth that seems to have always like been the way since, you know, what you're talking about when Marvel first came out on the scene. Yeah. I thought I liked how they did bring up Marvel. Cause that's obviously like a big part of DC's story. And like, I've like just uh, watching it, like how, like, that's like in the period of the 60s, like DC books were kind of flatlining where it was kind of just like the same thing over and over and like Batman's wearing a zebra outfit and things like that. And then Marvel comes onto the scene and they have Spider-Man, the X-Men, Daredevil, all these kind of grounded superheroes. And then all of a sudden DC was like on the back foot for a few years and had to kind of fix what they were doing. And that's when they had like the... Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill, Batman, things like that in the 70s with the uh, resurgence of that. So, yeah, like Otto said, like we're in like another weird kind of period where on the movies, Marvel's way ahead of DC. And who knows if DC's ever going to catch up or even close the gap. But yeah, I mean, I'm a DC guy first and foremost. So I was kind of happy to, like you said, Scott, that we're in a DC period right now for comics. Uh, I definitely have a lot more DC books on my pull list than Marvel, but that doesn't mean much. But what do you think? <laughs> I still have Amazing Spider-Man on there. And I Same. <laughs> and it hurts. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the other thing too that I, I took just as a as a fan watching that documentary, I, I think one of the lessons, uh, at least for me, was I think trying to imitate the competition. And and to be clear, I, I think you know both companies are great. I, we want to see both of them flourish. There's enough room for both of that, to, both of them to to do well. But I think trying to imitate the competition is not the best move. And I think um, they showed that in in the documentary and how how that kind of failed. And I think we're kind of seeing that in the movies now. I think what you have to do is double down on the feel and identity of your characters and i think that's what they did in, the, in with the neil adams batman and then later on in the 80s you have you know frank miller come on and you know write uh 
Dark Knight Returns and then later, you, you know, year one. And so that kind of is like you're doubling down on the identity of the characters. And I think the, the Reeves film kind of does that with Batman as well. So I think not being afraid to be different is maybe something they have to implement in the movie side of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there was a lot of information just in that first episode we watched. And I know, like, you know, we've been talking about it and you guys are picking different things. And like with the time jumps and everything, do you think, you know, that the documentary, or at least the first episode, glossed over anything too fast? Um, Maybe the parental concerns they had back then with like uh, parents were like, children were like getting grounded and had to secretly read a book like under their covers or whatever and hide it when they came in i thought that went a little quick kind of like oh yeah this was we there was some weird stuff printed back then but i oh, don't worry about it now but that's the way it kind of <laughs> felt to me i don't know about you guys yeah i, I think uh there, i mean the comics code uh the whole you know, debacle with the comics code thing. That was kind of ridiculous in, in terms of the censorship. But then to be balanced, as BJ was saying, they did print some crazy stuff back okay. in the day. Some stuff they, that like... They showed a couple panels. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember this. Yeah. And that, and 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 those, at least to me, when I, when I saw some of those panels, I'm like, uh, this kind of doesn't really fit with, you know, how the character is traditionally depicted, uh, at least in the comics that I have read. So, uh there, I mean, obviously the comics code was a exaggerated response to you know, maybe a few of these panels or issues, but uh, I, I do wish they maybe spend uh, a bit more time on there. And I think they might actually go back to that because I think the the next part was going to deal with uh, comics tackling social issues and stuff. So maybe they will go back to that. Yeah, I I yeah I hope so. Like that's the thing because you know I I feel I feel like the hard thing too is like with that issue specifically like there's a lot going on there with you know the comics code and the creation of it and kind of what was going on with the culture like and to elaborate on what i mean is that you know where i went to school for my bachelor's degree um not too far from there there's this little city called galesburg and there's a famous photo from it's like this smaller kind of more of a farming community but they were so incensed by what was going on in comics and you know the you know seduction of the innocent and everything that there is uh very popular photo that exists in the records, you know, from that era that shows all these people standing in a circle and they're burning books in the street, like comic books. And so it's, it's kind of interesting, but you know, and that was always a fascinating time for me just because, you know, and something I kind of, I'm going to segue into is, um, you know, the other things that were in comic books as well, that kind of raised people's ire um, with, you know, you have all the superhero and like the pulp hero stories first, you know, and, 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 and those themselves were born out of like funny pages books. And, but you have this evolution where like people kind of got hooked on different trends and things would come and go throughout the medium, you know, so you have like pulp to like horror to sci-fi to romance, you know, and, and that's something I find interesting because I feel like in a lot of ways, those things coming into the medium, like really kind of, impacted not just like the books and the medium but also the characters because you know once i would think that the publishers you know all people want to read these things like that might feed into new characters being created or um you know just new subplots or arcs that are added to a lot of our favorite books because they feel like there's like a need 
to add those things and those elements. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, so like the, uh, like, yeah, uh, going from uh, horror to sci-fi to like romance comics, like until that point, like, uh, superhero comics like the batman superman like they were very kind of like stock images almost where they weren't very like dynamic but just getting those like romance comics and other type of comics so you got more like different artists who could play around with different styles and then they became they started to draw batman and superman in like the mainstream dc comics like i remember like uh not to bring up marvel again but john romita john romita senior he came from he had a background in romance comics if, if i'm right about that and then He's one of Spider-Man's greatest like artists of all time. So like just that evolution of going from like stock images to more dynamic and better art almost kind of helped catapult comics to where they are now. Yeah, and I think they, they did highlight, if I remember correctly, I think they did highlight Romita Sr. as well in the documentary. Uh, and if I'm remembering it correctly, he's done some really great uh like uh, drawings of you know characters faces with really uh emotive uh expressions uh, but i think the, the the variety of of themes uh is one of the biggest uh strengths uh of comics because it can bring in so many different people um who are interested in so many different genres and not only is it uh, does it work that way on the audience side of things? It works that way in on the creative side of things too, because there are so many different characters that fit the different. Uh, like you could argue that you could put Batman into a horror comic that can, that works. You can put the Flash into a sci-fi comic that works too. Um, and and you could put you know a Wonder Woman into like a epic fantasy style uh, comic, and, and all these different things work with the characters. So I think. Uh, it just it just goes to show that there's such a wide audience and such a uh, wide reach of comics. And I think that's why ultimately, despite the attempts to sort of censor it and uh, the fact that it, it was admittedly uncool back in the day to read comics, now it's gone mainstream, right? Like now the cool thing is, or maybe not to read comics, but to, to at least go watch comic book movies and, you know, follow comic book characters in that way. So that's so that transition from, you know, being on the, the outside of society to being, you know, the mainstream, I think is because it just brings in so many people. I think that's very well said. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, and I know I had this on here as the last question, but I'm pretty sure we all answered this. Um, you know, are you looking forward to more or watching more? And I believe that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is a resounding yes. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> um, our last topic of the night, we had a new Blue Beetle trailer, the final trailer um, came out not too long ago. Do you guys feel any differently about it? Do you have any thoughts, feelings, reactions? You know, did it sway your opinion on whether or not you were planning on seeing this movie? So I'm going to see it no matter what, because I'll write a review on it for TBU and everything. But and I like comic book uh, movies. But seeing it, I was like, all right, this is fun. It's kind of cool family dynamic, a different type of family than we've seen, the Latino family. And, you know, I like the my man from Cobra Kai, uh, Miguel. I don't I I don't know his real name in real life, but I just call him Miguel from Cobra Kai. And watching, I'm like, oh, this is maybe this is like the fun 
uh, movie that DC needs. Of course, when I was thinking that, I was like, gee, I thought uh, Shazam was going to be that movie uh, for that DC needed, like this light kind of different type movie. But this actually, I don't know, I've been wrong before. So I don't want to be like, oh, this is going to turn DC around because I don't think it is. It's in like that weird no man's land before uh, James Gunn stuff. But it does look fun. I, uh, George Lopez, I like seeing him. And yeah, I'm excited for it. I like seeing the bug, uh, the Blue Beetle ship. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I, it does look intriguing. I also am not going to offer an opinion as to whether I think it's going to be good or not, because I've just like, I've just been burned so many times at this point. Um, obviously, I, I hope it is. I hope it's good. Uh, I, I want it to be good. And I, I from what I've seen of, of this trailer and, and the other trailer, uh, I will be watching it. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to theaters yet, but that's only because... I rarely go to theaters. Uh, I mean, I just I go for like really, really big budget movies. But um, you know, you never know. I might go see this on a Tuesday. They have to half off on Tuesday. Um, yeah, I'm 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 interested. I I don't know anything about these these actors to be honest. I don't think I've seen them in anything else. Which, as I said before, with the Superman film, it's kind of a good thing. Sometimes you go in and you know this is your first impression of that person of that actor. Um, so let's hope it does better than uh, the Flash. Not at this point, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I strongly hope for that. And I'm kind of like, no, no, I'm kind of I'm like, I think I'm gonna go see it. Like, I'm I'm overall, I I love the character. Um, you know, I like. It seems like there's a lot of Cord Industries stuff in there too, and I'm also a big fan of Ted Cord Blue Beetle on top of Jaime Reyes. But you know, it feels like totally like I worry that it might be like too silly for me. But I don't, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's a nitpick. Overall, like the first trailer kind of had me sold. This one kind of just made me wonder if it's like a little too silly. I think it mainly came down to that scene with the grandma with the gun like the alien gun and that was the one that was the moment where i don't know if i'm still in but other than that i was in and on board so and i i like i i echo the thoughts that i hope it you know does well despite it not being like the official start of the new dcu even though i feel like james gunn has made comments where like blue beetle will be part of it and it'll have some yeah, connection I think he said he's that like uh blue beetle is the first dcu character but superman legacy is the first movie so it's like i guess he doesn't want to like um kind of put himself out there like he did for the flash where if he says like yeah this is the first dc my of my regime or whatever and it kind of tanks then he looks bad on him so i don't know so yeah he's in like a weird that weird no man's land spot yeah i'm (laughs) I'm also like I'm always worried. Uh, generally, like for me personally, I prefer s- movies that take the character seriously. That doesn't mean that there's no humor in it. Uh, people forget like The Dark Knight had a lot of humor in it too. Uh, it, it was a serious movie, but it, it had a lot of humor in it. And it's not just because of the Joker that was dark. That was like a dark humor. There was actually other humorous moments in it as well um, and so I think it kind of goes back to the point uh, you know I made earlier is like. 
are they trying to imitate Marvel with the Marvel, you know, a joke every two minutes type of thing with the Marvel movies? Or are they really, you know, confident with their own take on this character? And I think we'll only know that when we see the movie. So we just have to be patient, I guess. We'll find out, I suppose. Um, That's all the topics we had for tonight. Um, Next episode, we will actually have an interview with um, an author, Brian R. Solomon. He's written a lot of like pop culture related books, um, but specifically we'll be talking about his most recent book called Superheroes, the History of a Pop Culture Phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. So it's a mouthful of a title, but it is actually, it weaves really nicely into the discussion we had tonight about um, Superpower, the DC story documentary miniseries in that not only DC, but it tries to encompass kind of an overall history of comic books and how that's kind of filtered out into other mediums. And it's, it's not uh, like long read or anything. It's actually a pretty quick read and it's a pretty interesting book. So come in, uh, tune back in in two weeks for that. Um, but for BJ Otto and myself, you know, you've been listening to the Batman universe. You can visit us at the batmanuniverse.net for comic reviews, movie news, and more. You know, if you want to chat with us and, you know, on a, on a regular basis, we're pretty active in our discord. There will be a link below. You can also write us at tbu at the batmanuniverse.net and we'll respond to your comments on air. Even if you want to be mean. <laughs> well, I'll bring on the mean one. I'll be just, I'll put a disclaimer <laughs> on it. If there's, uh, if it's obscenity laden, then, not going to happen. But um, if you like these episodes, please subscribe, rate, and share. You know, tell all your friends about us. Um, but otherwise, have a good night, and we will catch you in two weeks. Bye.